0: Today on Blue 58, our draft preview series lands on a position that has troubled the Packers for a long time now. Tight end. Unfortunately, if you're looking for help in this year's draft, there's not much to hope for. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of PowerSweep.com. I am your host, John Mierdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. Are you surviving the great toilet paper panic of 2020? I hope so that is the joke part of what's going on right now. Obviously, a lot of serious stuff going on out in the world to the point that it's now affecting the Packers. And I thought about doing a serious opener here. What should we all think about with the coronavirus? And what is our response to it say about us? But I thought, you know what? It really just boils down to this. Um, In the words of Bill and Ted. Just be excellent to each other, right? There's a lot of tough stuff going out there for everybody right now, so why don't we just focus on that? Be excellent to each other, and don't go out and buy toilet paper. You've got enough. Unless you need some. Unless you're out, then try to get some if you can. But failing that, I think you're probably good for the foreseeable future. If not, come over. I've got some spares. That is a weird thing to say. Moving right along, (laughs) the the Packers... are doing some free agency work already. Uh, Christian Kirksey in for a visit. The Packers apparently interested in talking with just about every free agent linebacker out there, including the recently released Kirksey. Six-foot-two, 235-pound linebacker prospect. He was a third-round pick back in 2014. Bit of an up-and-down career for Mr. Kirksey, though Now, through no fault of his own. He didn't miss a snap for the Browns in either 2016 or seventeen. But due to various injuries, he's played just nine games total since then, 2018 and 2019, a bit of a down year for Mr. Kirksey. Everyone talks about what a great guy he is off the field. Joe Thomas did a a nice little thread about him on Twitter, talking about what he meant uh, as a teammate. And that is not an uncommon thing. Everybody talks about what a great fit he is in, in just about every locker room he could walk into. As a player, I think he's exactly the sort of free agent the Packers should be looking for. Let's look at the stuff we've looked at for linebackers before. Relative athletic score, their passer rating allowed, how many plays they're making on the ball through our ball hog stat, and tackles of no more than a yard down the field against the run. Kirksey's pretty good in all of these. His relative athletic score is 7.41. He is the best of the free agent linebackers we've looked at so far. That's pretty darn good. So that's a that's an upgrade over Blake Martinez. Right away, with the asterisk, of course, that he has been injured the last couple of years, so that would potentially have an effect there. Passer rating against, though, not great in either 18 or 19, but small samples there. We don't have passer rating against data for 17, but Sports Information Solutions says he had a 92% quote unquote deserved catch rate that year. The last year he played regular, like starter snaps they, for their metrics defined, deserve catch rate as the percentage of targets as the primary defender that the receiver either caught or dropped the ball when the pass was catchable. So it's basically the amount of passes that were either caught or should have been caught when you were guarding the guy they were throwing the ball to. By way of comparison, in 2019, Blake Martinez's percentage was 94.4, so not all that much better if you're looking at Kirksey. In 18, Martinez was 93.8. In 17, he was at 87.2. 16, down to 76.2. He's been asked to do a little bit more coverage stuff under Pettin, and the results have not been as good. Ball Hawks. Kirksey, the last time he played a full season in 17, had 10.5. That would be the third most out of the free agent linebackers we've looked at so far. For comparison, this past year, Blake Martinez had seven. So again, not making plays not making plays on the ball at a tremendous clip, but still a little bit more than Blake Martinez. One-yard tackles. Again, last time he was a full-time starter, Kirksey had 24 tackles against the run, no more than a yard down the field. This, to me, is the real selling point. If he's going to want to get on the field early, he's going to have to do well against the run, and I think that offsets the potential loss of B.J. Goodson a little bit. For Comparison, Blake Martinez had just 16 tackles um, in that same category this past season. Overall, what do we think about Kirksey? Well, I described him as exactly the sort of player the Packers should be looking to sign in free agency, and here's why. I think he would be an upgrade over both Blake Martinez and B.J. Goodson, if, of course, he can return to the form that he played with in 2017. Seems solid against the run, seems good enough against the pass, and he's a good enough athlete that he could stay on the field for three downs if you had to. However, it does seem like there's still a bit of a low ceiling here. He's not going to be the ultimate solution at linebacker for you. He probably, at best, is a midpoint stylistically between Martinez and Goodson. Martinez is supposed to be supposed to be the athletic coverage linebacker, more coverage-oriented at least. If you remember all the way back to when Martinez was drafted, that was the real selling point. He was supposed to be a better coverage option than Jake Ryan. That never really turned out to be the case, but that's what he was supposed to be. Compared to B.J. Goodson, he definitely should be the coverage option, but he really wasn't again. Kirksey, not great in coverage, probably better than Martinez. He's more athletic than Goodson he's more athletic than Martinez, can probably do a little bit against the run and the pass. To me, that seems like an opportunity to sign one guy and have him as a fallback so that you don't have to draft a linebacker early. You could draft a guy in the second round or third round, maybe the fourth round, who could be a guy who comes along slowly next to Kirksey and figures out how to be your linebacker of the future then you can put those resources that you would have spent on a linebacker towards something else, a wide receiver, a second wide receiver, an offensive lineman, something like that, a cornerback, who knows? I think this is the sort of player the Packers should be targeting. I think Kirksey is this kind of guy. I think Nick Kwiatkowski is this kind of guy, a guy who doesn't have to be the lead dog at linebacker, but can play well enough to shore up the position so that the second guy you add in doesn't have to do it all himself either. Also in Packers news, Jimmy Graham has officially been released. A foregone conclusion has finally concluded. I've been thinking for a while about doing an episode That I don't think is going to come together. One of the episode ideas I've had for a while is what I was going to call opposite day. For one episode, I was going to take all of the positions that I've argued for over the past, I don't know, year or so, month or two, whatever, and just argue the opposite instead. So things like the Packers should re-sign Blake Martinez. I think I've been pretty vocal against them re-signing him. Uh, Jimmy Graham signing with the Packers was not a failure. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is completely washed up and the Packers should move on right now. Stuff like that. I think you get the idea. Graham, like I said, was going to be one of those topics. So let's try that just for a second. I think the first thing that you want to argue if you're trying to say that Jimmy Graham signing with the Packers was not a total failure for the Packers was that he was actually pretty good in 2018 before he broke his thumb. Disappointing as a blocker, sure, but statistically he was moving at a pretty good pace at that point. Perhaps not quite what you'd be looking for from a guy who made the top paid tight end in the league, but still, uh, he was an improvement over what the Packers have had since Jermichael Finley was in his heyday. Second, whenever he did actually catch the ball, he actually contributed a surprising amount of explosive plays. In 2018, he had 12 and 89 targets. In 2019, he had 11 in 60. And I think if you want to continue to build a case that Jimmy Graham signing with the Packers was not a complete failure, was not a a, a gross miscalculation by Brian Gutekunst, this is the sort of thread that you have to follow. That Jimmy Graham did bring a level of athleticism that the Packers haven't had at tight end since Jermichael Finley. That when he did make plays, they were big plays. I can't sustain that level of argumentation. I I just can't do it, and that is speaking as someone who really, really wanted this signing to work out because I love tight ends, and I love tight ends that are like Jimmy Graham. I know it's cool when you get a tight end who can do both, but I just love really big dudes who can make those sort of overpowering physical plays that just make your jaw drop, and that was Jimmy Graham at his best, and if he had been 80% of that guy in Green Bay I think it still would have been a win for the Packers. Unfortunately, it wasn't even close to that. He wasn't anything near what he was in Seattle, much less at his peak. And it ultimately leaves the Packers here pretty disappointed. I think there is one sneaky benefit of releasing him in that it is going to make Aaron Rodgers focus on other things. Jimmy Graham was kind of a security blanket, as much as I hate that expression. He was someone... Aaron Rodgers turned to when he probably shouldn't have, because as, as much as I try to make the case that Jimmy Graham did make some good plays when he did have the ball in his hands, and he did, though not that often, as much uh, or maybe not as often as he should, Aaron Rodgers turned to him as though he was constantly making those kinds of plays. To the Packers' detriment, I think, especially in the red zone. Aaron Rodgers Went to Jimmy Graham so often in the end zone thinking he was going to make a spectacular fade route catch in the end zone, and it just never materialized. And that's really disappointing for the Packers, but it's also frustrating to see Rodgers go back to that well again and again and again, even though it's not working just because he trusts Jimmy Graham to be where he's supposed to be. Ultimately, it didn't work out. Wish it would have, it didn't. But that leads us into an opportunity to talk about tight ends. Unfortunately, if you're looking for hope at the tight end position in this year's draft, it looks like you're going to be looking and not finding a whole lot. I don't know what it is about tight ends for me. I think it's more than that I played tight end way back in the day, an increasingly long, distressingly long time in the the past. Something I like to do is think about why I like and dislike things. I think there is a knee-jerk sort of sentiment in our culture today. I like that. I don't like that. I hate that. I love that. Without a lot of reflection as to why you feel that way about any, any of those things. So something I've tried to force myself to do is to sit down and say, okay, I like this. Why? What is it about this that I like? I don't like this. Why? What is it about this that I don't like? It's an interesting thought experiment, if nothing else. So tight ends. What is it about tight ends that fascinates me so much? Well, part of it is what I just said. Just that big, overpowering athlete. When I went to see the Packers play the Steelers in the preseason, when Jimmy Graham first signed with with the Packers, there was a palpable sense sitting in the stands from the Steelers' defense Of treating him differently because he was just so big. The Packers ran a play where Jimmy Graham started on the right side of the formation in pre snap motion to the left slot. And he ended up isolated on a linebacker. And it was just clear from that linebacker's body language that he knew he was in a bad way. He was looking around like, guys, what do I do? This guy is four inches taller than me, at least. He's got wings like an albatross. What do I do? He's real big. Guys, we've got a defense on that's ending with me covering this guy. What do I do? He's so much bigger than me. That's fascinating to me. I think I'm also fascinated by positions in sports, maybe football in general. I don't know. I think it's, it's sports-wide where you have to be good at a lot of things to succeed. To be a really good tight end, I don't think you can just be a receiver anymore. And you sure as heck can't just be a blocker anymore. That sort of thinking went out 35 years ago. You've got to be good, at least passable, at a lot of things. And that was a big reason, I think, that Jimmy Graham's playing time dropped this year is because he wasn't passable as a blocker. He was better, I think, this year than he was in 2018. But even then, he was not the blocker the Packers needed as a tight end. And that's fascinating to me that you have this position other than quarterback in the NFL that you ask so many different things of. You have to be a good receiver. You have to be a good blocker. You've got to run routes well. You've got to be able to match up physically against everybody from a defensive end to a cornerback. You have to figure out how to take advantage of those relationships, those spatial relationships on the field in all those different contexts. That's really interesting to me. And I don't think there's really something comparable at just about any other position. Maybe safety on defense is a good example of a of a similar sort of skill set, at least matching up with a variety of different different positions on offense. But it's I think it's unique at tight end, and it's fascinating. It's interesting to see these guys coming out of college try to make that jump to the NFL because in college you definitely don't have to be good at everything. You can get by with being really, really good at just one thing, And a lot of tight ends succeed in college doing that and then get to the NFL and burn out almost immediately because they just can't compete physically. Or they're good receivers, but they're not strong enough to be a blocker. Or they're okay blockers, but an okay blocker in college doesn't mean anything in the NFL. That is really interesting to me too. It's also interesting how long the development process can go on for tight ends. It can be three, four years before a tight end finally comes into his own in the NFL. It's not at all uncommon to see a tight end at age 26, 27, finally put together a good season for the first time. Why is that physical development is part of it? That's part of the process of becoming an NFL player, but just figuring out how to be one, how to run routes against NFL athletes too, that's part of the process as well. Some guys figure it out quicker than that. Some guys don't figure it out at all, but the whole process is interesting to me. So I think that's why I love tight end so much. Unfortunately for a lifelong tight end enthusiast, there's not a lot of that in this year's NFL draft class. There are a few good ones and we've turned to a few categories as sort of a sorting mechanism much like we did at wide receiver. For wide receiver, we looked at four different categories and picked some of the top options in each of those categories. If you ranked highly in several of those categories, I figure you're probably a good prospect. The problem with this is there's no metric for blocking. And as much as I like love the giant move tight end, I don't think that's what the Packers need. So if we're looking at stuff the Packers need, we've got to find some good blockers. And there's really not a number that you can put on a tight end that is going to show you whether or not they're a good blocker. You kind of got to take other people's word for it. So we'll kind of stay away from the blocking aspect of it. We're going to look at relative athletic score, that kind of catch-all mechanism for athleticism. Height-adjusted speed score, because we want tall guys that can run fast. Catch percentage, how often did you catch the ball when it was thrown to you? And yards per target. How, how many yards did you get when, the, when your team was throwing you the ball? I think there are six tight ends worth looking at in this class. And I'll give you a little bit of a breakdown on how each of them kind of sorts out in those metrics. Starting with kind of a weird prospect right off the bat, Dalton Keene out of Virginia Tech is a six foot four inch, 253 pound something. About 10 years ago, there was a tight end out of Rice named James Casey. He played tight end, also a little H-back, a little running back, a little wildcat quarterback. He was Danny Vitale, with extra job responsibilities. Dalton Keene is that guy again. The best testing athlete at the Combine, but his receiving numbers look a little bit more like a back. That's because he kind of was one. Played a little H-back, a little running back in college. Yeah, ran the ball a few times, but he blocks pretty well. Among tight ends who tested at the combine, he had the number one relative athletic score, and he's got pretty good size. The caveat is that he's not great at anything, but if you're looking for a late round prospect, he's probably your guy because he looks like he could at least be like a special teamer in the NFL for half a decade, you know, that sort of player who just mills around on special teams units causing trouble on kickoffs and punt returns and all sorts of stuff like that for a long, long time. That could be Keane. I'm not sure that who you're, that's who you're looking for to fix a passing game right away, but if they need a compliment to Jace Sternberger, Keane might not be that bad of an option. Whatever Keane was, Cole Kmet is the opposite of that. Six foot six, 262 pound individual out of Notre Dame. He is Dane Brugler's number two tight end in the class. He is ESPN's number one ranked tight end of the class, and Pro Football Focus has their him as their number seven ranked tight end. It's because he's athletic. He can run fast, he catches the ball well, and he does pretty good things with it when he does catch it. Whatever Dalton Keene was, Colby Komet or Cole Komet is the opposite of that. He is just a stereotypical big tight end. Giant, pretty good athlete, pretty productive, just a big dude who's going to run pretty much straight down the field. Said to be unpolished as a blocker, but who isn't as a rookie? I think I would be fine with Komet. Maybe he doesn't always play to his size. Maybe he's not a polished blocker or an explosive receiver. Sure, I'll concede those points. But if you're looking for a guy to plug in at tight end and just have on your roster for a long time and get a pretty good return from, that seems like the sort of player that he is. Also played some baseball at Notre Dame too, for whatever that's worth. Next up, Jacob Breeland from Oregon. Six foot five, 252 pound, almost pure receiving tight end. He caught 81% of the passes thrown to him in college. He caught those passes on average for 12.1 yards per target. So I guess not just catches, What's the deal here? Well, he did not test at the combine. He ranks high here in the things that we looked at solely due to his production. Again, 81% of the passes caught to him or thrown to him he caught. That's pretty darn good. Bashed out of all the tight ends at the combine, in fact. you like his size, but basically he is a receiver only. And no matter how good he is, I don't think I want to do that again for the Packers. Moving right along then, let's talk about Bryson Hopkins. Let's talk about Let's talk about names here for a second. Looking through all the tight ends who received a target in the NCAA last year, there's like 14 players named Hunter. There's another dozen named Bryce or Bryson or something. What a society we live in. Anyway, Bryson Hopkins, six foot four inches, 245 pounds. He's Dane Brugler's number nine tight end, ESPN's number ten, Pro Football Focus's number two tight end. He's pretty good at just about everything. But he is, again, just another sort of big receiver-ish type. When I say pretty good at everything, I mean he tests pretty well, he catches the ball pretty well, and he's pretty productive when he does catch the ball too. Nobody ever says anything good about his blocking. And again, I'm struggling with the idea of taking another just pass-specific tight end, because the Packers just spent a whole bunch of money over the last few years on one receiving specific tight end, and it just did not work out very well. The Packers need a guy who can do a little bit more. That player could be Thaddeus Moss, a little bit short on the height spectrum, That is a weird way of saying that, but I'm just going to leave it in. Who cares? Six foot two, 250 pounds. Dane Brugler's number 10 tight end, ESPN's number nine. Yes, he is Randy Moss's son. He did not test on the combine, but he caught 79% of the balls thrown his direction. 9.66 yards per target, fourth among tight ends at the combine. The weird thing about him is both Lance Zerline of NFL.com and Dane Brugler of The Athletic go out of of their way to praise his blocking, which is rare for tight end prospects. Look how Zernline puts it. Willing to get grimy as a run blocker. I just love that phrasing. Get grimy as a run blocker. Yeah, run blocking is pretty grimy sometimes. On the field, people praise his reliable hands. Not said to be that great of an athlete. Would love to see his testing numbers when they finally come around though said to be in just about every scouting report you read about him to be very, very, very smooth. Smooth operator on the field. Finally, I I closed out with the guy who could challenge Komet as the consensus top tight end in the draft. Talking about Adam Troutman out of Dayton, six foot five inch, 255 pounds. Dane Brugler kind of going off the map here and made him his number one tight end of the class. He is ESPN's number seven, had the third highest relative athletic score in the the combine this year. Do you remember a tight end prospect by the name of Adam Shaheen? You may remember him more as a member of the Chicago Bears, but I remember him as a prospect because of his unusual weight gain routine That one guy, that one offensive lineman this year had the crazy milkshake, if you want to call it that, that he drank. Um, The St. John's lineman. He has a name. No way of knowing it, though. No way of connecting to some unlimited resource that can provide us with all the information in the universe to find out who that was. Um, You've got the other lineman who ate a bunch of In-N-Out Burger. Adam Shaheen gained a bunch of weight in college by eating a whole ton of Chipotle burritos, which is an effort I can get behind. Just a big, giant athletic tight end who beat the crap out of a bunch of smaller school defenses because he did play at Ashland. Adam Troutman is that sort of player. Again, big dude, 6'5", 255, athletic eight range in the 40-yard dash. Not great, but he has some good other, other testing numbers that, that bump up his overall athletic profile. This past year at Dayton, he had 70 catches for 916 yards, 14 touchdowns in just 11 starts. Not too bad. If Robert Tanyan lived up to the the hype, he would be Adam Troutman. So what do you do if you're the Packers? Again, if it's me, and I'm Brian Budekun's drafting, I don't want a guy who's just an athlete or a guy who's just a receiver. So that takes quite a few of these prospects off the board. If it comes down to it, I think there are three guys for me. Cole Komet is my top choice, probably, just because he seems to be the most well-rounded. Yeah, not the best blocker in the world, but it seems like with his size and overall athletic profile, he could probably get there. Then you've got Dalton Keene. I like the sort of do-everything aspects of his game. He's not going to fix the position for the Packers, but I like him as a prospect. Then if you're looking for a guy who might have the the best who might be the most pro-ready, I don't know if I even want to go that far, who seems like he could compete as a pro right off the bat. Let's put it that way. Maybe not the most pro-ready. And I don't want to compare him, I guess, at all to the other prospects, but a guy who can, who seems like he has the tools to compete early on as a blocker and a receiver, Thaddeus Moss. If it seems like I'm not like banging the table for any one of these guys, that is accurate. I would rather have the Packers draft a second wide receiver than any one of these guys. If the Packers take a wide receiver in the first round or the second round, I would rather take, have them take another swing at wide receiver before they draft any tight end. I think the Packers need a lot more help at wide receiver than tight end, so devote your resources towards that. And whenever you take a tight end, just make sure it's not in the first or second round because this is not a deep enough class to justify doing that either. What do you think about tight ends? Any of these guys you want, any of them you definitively don't want, let me know on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, wherever you happen to be listening. I would enjoy hearing from you. And if you enjoyed this episode, take a second and share it with someone you think would enjoy it as well, because that's going to bring more people into this conversation, which in turn is going to help us further our mission of making everybody smarter Packers fans because as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We will see you next time on Blue 58.